I'm going to pray. We're going to get into it. Holy Spirit, thank you that you're here. Thank you, Lord. We just thank you for wisdom and revelation. We just thank you for eyes to be opened. We thank you, Lord, for uh, um, the circumcision of the heart. We thank you for veils being uh, uh, ripped asunder. And we just thank you, Lord God, for a spirit of the revelation of you, Jesus. Bless your word. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. So we're going to start with the scripture that actually sounds extremely philosophical, but it's not philosophical. And what happens is that the question is asked, which could come across as either facetious or genuine, but this question really, really does strike at the heart of nearly every person that's ever lived. And so it's a conversation between Jesus and Pilate. Talk about two ends of the spectrum here. And so Pilate was no fool. And what had happened is that his wife had a dream the night before and she said, have nothing to do with that man. And so even when Jesus presented himself as a lamb to be slain, um, he didn't speak against his accusers. He just was actually silent before his accusers, to be honest, is that uh, Pilate started to drill down. He looked to release him, but then he started to uh, find out exactly who Jesus is and what he represents. So if we could start with John 18, 1837. So did you get all of those through today? Not yet. Okay. I bind you, Satan. All right. John 18, 37 and 38. Thank you very much. Pilate, so I'll give you the scriptures a little bit in advance when, when I've got given them, okay? So uh, Pilate therefore said to him, are you a king then? And Jesus answered, you say rightly that I am a king for, for this cause I was born. And for this cause I've come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no fault in him at all. Well, we are certainly, there is so much going on in regards to truth, information, facts and knowledge in this present season. It's crazy. And one of the things that's taking place on the earth is confusion because so much information has been put out there. I, I, I um, you know, just because I had a spare moment, I thought I'd watch the Republican nomination debate. Okay, and so you've got Nikki Haley, who used to represent US to the UN. Uh, you had Chris Christie, I don't know what he's doing up there. Um, um, you've got this uh, uh, young buck uh, with a uh, um, heritage from the subcontinent and a few others. And I was listening to what was going on. I've never seen anything like, has anyone been watching any of this, been keeping up to speed with any of it? I saw uh, this young guy tear strips off of, off Nikki Haley, off of one of the contenders. And we're talking so personal. Uh, we're talking, you are corrupt. <laughs> And you work for BlackRock and like, like this. And she's standing there like, like I've never seen anything like it. And you've got like this name calling people. It, you know what? Okay, for those who don't, didn't watch or don't, can't grasp it, this level of discourse makes Trump look like a kindergarten kid. That hectic. And so what's happening is that we are seeing, we are seeing facts or the truth completely obscured and confused in the discourse. And we have to have an idea of what the discourse is. So what are things being discussed? 
and the narrative that frames it up. And so many things are happening. And now we're, now we're just coming down to, to name calling. Or if, you, uh, if someone's bringing a case, is that you just have a, just a counter argument. I can't, I can't help myself. I've got to cite something I saw the other day by Monty Python. And this guy walks in <laughs> and I got it. Sorry, just, I know you indulge me anyway. Anyway, so um, this guy goes in and he says, you know, he wants to pay, goes into this clinic to pay to have an argument. Okay, so he wants to have an argument because these people don't argue anymore. They're just shouting at each other. And so she goes, did you want to uh, uh, go for the, the, the full hour or just uh, uh, five minutes? The reception, he says, I think we'll, he says, it's probably best I start with just the, just the five minutes and see how it goes from there. And the receptionist says, fine, I'll see who's free at the moment. And the receptionist then says, uh, uh, Mr. Blakely's free, but he's a little bit conciliatory. Um, oh yes, try Mr. Barnard, room 12. And the man goes, thank you. And then, uh, uh, um, then he walks into, into Mr. Barnard's room and, and uh, all of a sudden the guy goes, what do you want? And, and the guy who paid for the argument says, well, I was just told to stand outside. And the guy starts abusing him. And he, and he said, what are you doing here like this? And he goes, he said, I came here for an argument. He goes, oh my goodness, I'm sorry, this is abuse. <laughs> he says, he says oh, 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 I see, oh no, 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 you want 12A next door, okay. So then he goes into 12A and he goes, I came here for a good argument. And the guy goes, oh no, you didn't. You didn't come here just for an argument. He goes, yeah, and I came here for an argument. And, uh, and, and he said, but I know why you came. He goes, no, you don't. Yes, I do. No, no, you don't. And he goes, this isn't an argument. This is just a contradiction. Well, it can be an argument. An argument is a, is a connected series of statements intended to establish a proposition. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. And I said, no, an argument is an intellectual process. Contradiction is just an automatic naysaying of anything the other person says. And they go back and forth. And then he says, you're five minutes up. He goes, no, it isn't. Yes, it has. No, it hasn't. Yes, it has. And he says, yes, it has. Well, how come you're still arguing with me if the, if the, process, if the five minutes is up? He goes, I'm arguing with you with my, in my spare time. So <laughs> you're seeing right now people getting bombarded with information to the point where people literally, it's designed, if not to deceive, just to fatigue people. And I was just watching this, 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 this debate. And I was like, it, was, it actually verged on the bizarre. And so many things are bizarre. You know, um, you've got like Elon Musk. Who can read him? He wants to put he wants to put computer chips in your head, and yet he's deconstructing, uh, for, uh, you know, or, or reinstating freedom of speech. I can't get a, I can't get a read on the guy. This guy that went uh, after Nikki Haley, he's got an interesting background to say the least. But he's talking about January six and arguing with CNN, and CNN goes, oh, well, this is a conspiracy. He said, no, they've released the video footage. They were ushered into the Capitol building. And so we're seeing not just the information argued, but the, the, the nature of reality. For those who don't know, a whistleblower has come forward in New Zealand. Who's heard of this? Wow, good for you. About he's collected the, uh, the government data on the vaccine and vaccine injury. And it's alarming. And so what you have is you've got people calling for accountability, but will the mainstream media run with it? Because the government has been very, very 
uh, um, suppressive, let's put it that way. So you've got these things taking place everywhere. Um, Do we really know what happened in Maui? That's a big deal. We're talking a lot of people died, a lot of kids went missing. And we're looking at things that aren't impossible, but improbable. You know, all these things are taking place at the moment. Um, We've got what's happening with democracy in the West. If this is happening now, like what we, someone would call something scientific, like some of the radical gender theory is scientific. And if we can flip what is true or what is reality so quickly, who's blown away with how quickly things are moving? So quickly, how deep does this go? How far back, how does it influence history? You know, what, what about Darwinism? What about, who's heard of the Flexner Report? No, that when they did a report in the beginning of the 20th century in regards to medicine in the US and they changed a lot of oil-based products and they actually influenced all the, all the, all the medical schools and, and, and we pretty much have it unchanged till today. What about the formation of the Federal Reserve in 1913? So we actually don't understand how a system's been set up for people to be perpetually caught in debt. And to be, it's, a, it's, a, it's a Babylonian system of slavery and so on and so forth. We think that we're always on the right side of truth. I was just watching something last night. Well, when they teach, now I've just come back from Germany and boy, do they, do they speak awesome English? Their English is way better than my German. But most people are bilingual, uh, if not more, in Europe. And in their part of the curriculum of English classes is they taught, teach American history and how America is so big on propaganda and how they teach that it's okay to interfere in foreign affairs and get involved in wars. See, we, just, we don't think we ever are the victim of propaganda. We just think we're on the right side of it. And so we're seeing all this taking place at the moment. And honestly, we've got to make sure, unless a trumpet makes a certain sound, who will prepare for battle? And we, and, and we were talking recently about uh, uh, lines in the spirit, lines of confusion and stones of emptiness. Well, one of the things is that rather than get to the bottom of the giant pile of manure, because who wants to do that? Because it's not a fun thing, as obviously. But rather than get to the bottom of that, is it, well, I want to turn everything on its head because this is not a disassociative panacea. It actually is the truth. John 14, 6, don't worry about putting it up. John 14, 6 is that Jesus says, I'm going away the way I know, where I go, you know, and the way I, uh, and the way you know. And they said, Jesus, how can we know the way? And Jesus said this, he said, I am the way, the truth and the life. Now what we have is where there's all this confusion taking place by design. You know, you think about, is everything that's taking place in the, in, the, in the public discourse and the narrative, is it all false or is it in there somewhere or do you actually have to extract it from a bit and join your... We don't have to completely obsess over that because what we see is that rather than the truth be a collection of facts, actually it's a person. It's actually a person. And what's so abstract about that is you're in your physical body in your Western mind and Jesus is in His resurrected, glorified physical body in heaven and there's a point of separation and it seems too abstract. But we're going to see 
that when we start to realise what in Christ is, in Christ is not a limiting factor, it's the only way to engage expansively in true life. Being in Christ is not a limiting factor. So uh, uh, here we have, uh, um, I'm the way, the truth, the life. The pathway is a person. Uh, The life, a heavenly eternal life is a person. Uh, uh, Jesus, you know, my brother died and if you were here earlier, he wouldn't have died because your brother will rise again. She goes, no, I know he'll rise again on the last day. But if you were here, you know, you, you wouldn't have died then. And he goes, you don't understand, Mary. Jesus said, I... And the, and the resurrection and the life. So this is where we've got to be able to, rather than you're here in your physical body, Jesus is separated in, an, in His body somewhere else. Just break it, you start to break it open and realise is that, that, that consciousness of oneness and the fact that we're already connected to the Lord, but resurrection looks like a person. Truth looks like a person. Uh, 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 grace looks like a person. And I'm convinced the deeper we go, and I've been watching some, some teachings on that this morning, is that the worst thing we can do is marginalise Jesus in our subconscious world. It's the worst thing we could do is marginalise Him and get our brain filled with all these other things. Whereas Jesus actually, I mean, it's a terrible word, I don't wanna devolve it. I'm not saying panacea, but we've got to understand that the deeper we wanna go into Truth, connecting with God, it's Christology. It's Christology. You know, there, there, there's, there's like, I was watching a um, very well-known uh, American um, preacher. They just laid him to rest. He, um, don't know, I think he was in his 70s. Very, very controversial because he went from a, a pretty standard Pentecostal position to universalism. Who knows what universalism is? is that you, you, no change, no repent, you might not even need Jesus. Fancy, fancy saying Jesus is a bonus or an optional extra. Jesus said, He is the way, the truth. And the, if you believe that, say amen. amen. If he, He's the way, the truth and the life. That's the, that's the, the scripture. I'd spoken at my mother's funeral. Always great fun speaking at one of your parents' funeral. That's a real buzz. But the Lord said, make, make it very, very clear. Get rid of anything that's opaque and ambiguous. Make it very, very clear. Not just that. It says that He is the door to the sheepfold. The sheepfold isn't a little conservative church gathering. The sheepfold is the glorified multiverse. Do you think God could understate it anymore? I am the door to the sheepfold. Anyone that came before me were thieves and robbers and or hirelings. And so we start to realise, when we start to see that Jesus isn't the limiting factor, there might be a narrow door on the front end, but it opens up to infinite possibilities and grace. That's what's so amazing. That's what we need to, that's why we need the Spirit of Jesus who's in us. We have to avail ourselves to Him through the Word and allow that to be cracked open because if you're always believing for things, you'll get fatigued. Resisting things, believing for things, overcoming things. When we were designed primarily for connection, we were designed for that. And when we start to see everything we need is in a person, the truth, the life, the bread from heaven, well, the manna from heaven, He's the light of the world who's now in us. We're a city on a hill. And what happens is the abstraction starts to get removed and we're not just following Him. 
He, we're actually in Him and in, in Him all things consist. I'm convinced, I'm convinced, and you can only, you know, only anecdotally speculate on a uh, inductive reasoning, I would say, right? Google it. And so, so what, what you have is a, the Lord said to Jeremiah, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. So before you were in the transition phase to come into this world, I knew you. In other words, I knew you before the earth. So you go, what does that look like? The fact is God knew us. I don't believe it was an idea. I believe He actually knew us. So if we were with Him, we were never self-existent. And when we go back into Christ, we actually reconnect with our true self. I'm all for self-help, self-improvement. It doesn't work that great on me, right? <laughs> you know, it's like polishing up an old rock with me. And it's like, sort of like, yeah, no good. And so, but what happens is that when you lean into Him, there's actually there's this thing called grace. And you, you actually, they actually, who believes God can speak to you? Come on. And, and, and you know what? He does. This is why we've been talking about John 14 and John 15 and John 16. But God is very chatty, right? And not chatty as He wants to sit down and natter over a cup of, cup of tea. That's a terrible word, chatty, right? But He wants to communicate constantly, whether it's, it's always by His Spirit, but whether it's directly by the Spirit of God or by angels or being led by Him or what, still small voice. And what you have is that when you realise truth is a person, resurrection is a person, the way is a person, the door is a person, the light is a person. He says, walk in the light while you have the light. Uh, while you have the, walk in the light while you have the light with you, lest darkness overtake you. So, we, so going into this Christmas break is that we, we've got to be careful that we don't marginalise, we don't marginalise Jesus in our subconscious. You know, on a truth ex, ex, uh, exploratory level, is you start meditating John 14, 15 and 16, and you, he, he come, it comes alive, but he starts talking, he starts, there's that sense of, I can't always be, God, I need this, I need that. There's, 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 no, there's no connection in that. You realise you're in Him, and it says, if you seek this first, and, and His righteousness, uh, all things will be added. Um, Philippians 1.21, if we could try that, please. Philippians 1.21. For me, I mean, look at this. For me to live as Christ and to die as gain. I would say this pretty much goes a long way past fundamentalism. People go, you fundamentalist. I said, I'll tell you what, I want to put the fun into fundamentalism, okay? Or fun in people's mental. So, so Paul, what I find interesting, I don't believe that anyone in that first century who was martyred, who knew the Lord. Let's just, let's talk about who we know, the, the apostles, etc. So we have a record of one who was, his name was Stephen. And he wasn't saying, ouch, ow, make them stop. It's not my time. He was actually like, couldn't wait. I, what ha generally happens when people see too much of Jesus, they never wanna be here. Paul said, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. I remember we didn't, uh, 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 <laughs> years ago, 
my mum went to a country town north of Adelaide and she had an emotional spiritual moment. She went to a, a, um, a cemetery because that's what you do. She goes to a cemetery and she, and she comes back and I don't think she knew it was scripture at the time. Well, she must have because it would have been a reference underneath it. And she said this, and I was, I, was, I was with a friend. And uh, she said, oh, I saw the most beautiful headstone. And it said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. She goes, that's so beautiful. She said to my friend, what do you think you'd want written on your tombstone? He thought about it for a second and he went, I told you I was sick. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> I told you I was sick of very beautiful words. Just, just they ring with fullness. Anyway, so, <laughs> so anyone that had a glimpse, so Paul says, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. You almost get the impression of someone goes, look, okay, I'm gonna be decapitated in the morning and such and such. I remember when we were in Rome, we went to the alleged place where Paul and Peter were before they got exited because they didn't have a bunch of jails. Right, and, uh, and it wasn't, let me just say this, where they stayed before their execution, it wasn't the Hilton. Who's ever been to the place in Rome? Where, who's, who else? Yeah, it's, it's wow. And they, they would have fed him his food through a hole. They would have lowered him down. And, and so, and you know, if, 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 he'd be thinking, wow, I'm gonna go see Christ. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be re, reunited in the glory with the Lord. It's almost to the point, sort of like in the morning, okay, gets out the texter and does a dotted line, you know? Just, just, just right, this is the spot right here. Like, like they weren't, they weren't, no! And so what we have, this is why we need the veils removed because we want to experience as much, experience as, much as Him in this life. As much, uh, Him as much as possible because it's the only thing that makes anyone free from anything. Self-help is like, has a level of benefit, like exercise has a level of benefit, but self-help, if that is the extent of it, it is merely shuffling deck chairs on the Titanic, okay? And so this is why we need the fact, I, I, I thought it was very interesting. I know this contextual, I was talking to Rachel about it this morning. I'm fascinated, I saw a, 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 in First um, Corinthians 15, maybe 28, it says the last enemy that will be defeated is death because people are so afraid of death. And so the Lord says, this is, this is just an enemy to be under my feet. According to Psalm 110, it says, the Lord said to my Lord, uh, or Yahweh said to Adonai, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. So for me to live as Christ and to die is gain. So Holy Ghost. Yes, if we could do uh, uh, John chapter one, verses 16 and 17. John one. Oh, you got them, you do have them. And of his fullness, we have all received and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. This is what's so cool. If you just go, and look, I'm all for being in step with public discourse or even the narrative because the narrative has been skewed to manipulate people in certain directions. However, when you do your own research and you find out, yes, there are rabbit holes and yes, conspiracy is real. Why is conspiracy real? Because it's illegal. It's a crime to conspire to. 
And so we just put theory at the end and we stop people from critical thinking. But you go down, if, that, if that's, that's all your energy you put into, what happens? There's no grace. Whereas when you lean into Jesus, who is the truth, you get truth and what? Grace. And that's where you actually start to tap into. The fact is that you, get, you, you start to tap into His grace. And so uh, uh, the, 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 uh, um, the law of Moses was crazy because God fulfilled a promise to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And 430 years after uh, they settled in Egypt and then God delivered them, what a deliverance. The plagues, the Red Sea. You have a look at what happened. God presented the, uh, 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 the covenant to him at the mountain after Israel said, no, we don't wanna be a kingdom of priests. Get, Moses, you go and get the information. We don't wanna pay the price. It says, we don't wanna die, but we've seen today that God speaks to man and lives. And you've got the mountain shook, everything shook, dark cloud, uh, thunder, lightning, crazy covenant. But it actually says, the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth or truth and grace came through Jesus. So when we tap into, and you go, well, how is connecting to Jesus got anything to do with the economy? You know, like there's a lot of, <laughs> lot of chat around what's taking place with cryptocurrency at the moment, what's taking place with interest rates and inflation. You go, I connect with Jesus. What happens is this, you tap into a heavenly reality that is transcendent. In other words, uh, what's, uh, uh, if you do heavenly maths, you go, what's five plus seven equal? Let's just say, you know, five, it's pretty straightforward. But when it comes to God's economy, when you have five fishes and 12 loaves or vice versa, five plus seven equals uh, uh, five to 7,000. That's the economy. See, you tap into something so superior. I'm all for education. I'm all for getting information. We talk about the public discourse. But you go, how am I going to get, how do I see God breathe on finances? How do I see God breathe on health? It's a person. Stop reducing everything to information. You were designed to be one with the Lord because you already are and are being transformed by the renewal of your mind. You know, a challenge for all of us, everyone's on a journey. Everyone's on a journey. But here's the challenge. The limiting factor will never be God in your life. Never, never. It actually says, we've been talking about resurrection on the Wednesdays, just started talking about it. And there's only a handful of times we get the word metamorpho. Metamorphosis where we get the caterpillar grow into the butterfly. And what you have is you have, this is, this is what Paul, Paul knew, knew a few things. He said, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. But, and, and then he goes on to say, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, metamorpho. And it's only you. We're talking complete change. This is the guy that said in 1 Corinthians 5, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, a few things become new. And then you realise, you go, all things are new. What, what, what haven't, how haven't we applied this? What do we need to do? All things. I mean, that, then you see we are metamorphosed. We are transformed from glory to glory. The only other place it's mentioned in Scripture is the transfiguration. It's the transfiguration. You see that word, look it up. It's the transfiguration. And, and, and so we get, this is what's so cool. And I look at that and I go, all right, Lord, I'm journeying into this. 
But who wants to just fill their head with facts and never encounter the living God? Not me. So this is why it says to, to, for me to live as Christ, to die as gain. Oh, I want to experience resurrection power. Jesus, I am the resurrection of life. In your light, we see light. Jesus is the light of the world. Lord, I just thank you, you know, for, for uh, feeding my spirit. I mean, I tell you what, I'm very, one of those things that's sort of like too much time on my hands, which is not that common. Uh, those thoughts, you go, all right, I really like to know what the cake tasted like the angels made for Elijah. Was it, was it fatty? Was it like sweet? Was it otherworldly? Was there no category whatsoever? But can you imagine being in a place where God's feeding you supernaturally? That, that is gluten-free, carb-free. <laughs> he went in that for 40 days. He wasn't sitting in a cave. He was journeying. That is, you go, well, that cake must have been really heavy. <laughs> but... But, but what happens is this, is that we can believe for things and God's gracious. He will give them to us. If we, if we believe, He'll give them to us. Just like Israel wanted a king, but God said, hey, aren't I enough? He'll give you stuff. If you go, oh, I'm gonna break, that's, that's cool. But then we realise is that there's no nourishment in things. There's only nourishment in a person. And then you find, you know, he, he, he's our present help in times of trouble. He, he, he's, he, he's a friend that's closer than a brother. He, like, 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 and then what I'm going to, what I want to finish with, because I've got a, a little bit to read out, is I want to read, because coming into the Christmas season, I want to make sure that nothing is obscured. But when you realise that Jesus is the desire of the nations, He really is. All I can say anecdotally as a witness is I've encountered him in, in limited levels. And there are times I'm going, oh, like it went deep, deep tissue. Like it wasn't sort of like, I, I, it was like a recognition. I don't know. You know, you go, oh, that's pretty deep. That's, you know, well, not much deeper than if you don't praise God, the rocks will cry out. The rocks recognise Jesus. <laughs> you know, Jesus walks into the synagogue. No one recognises the Son of God except the demons. Walking to the synagogue with Silas, no one recognised him except the girl with the spirit of python. You know, how much, how hectic avails. Is blindness, spiritual blindness, as hectic as uh, um, physical blindness, way more hectic. So what I want to do now is I'm going to be considered in this. And uh, we're gonna, in a minute, I'm going to get you to put the pads on. But I, um, this is, uh, I didn't make this up. This is one of the most famous sermons ever by a guy called Oral Roberts. And it's called The Fourth Man. Oral Roberts was famous for healing the sick and winning souls, but seed faith. And he was a man of God and, you know, he lived uh, to a ripe old age and there was a serious big long list of people who had said farewell to him before he died. That's the way you want to go. And so he came up with this. But what we need to know is this. God loves you, loves us. We self-sabotage, I do, we all do, but He loves us. And he, you've got this, this loving Father wants to manifest to an orphan planet. And then when God sends the solution, that's His Son, the planet still thinks it's an orphan unless people go and tell them otherwise. And so when you start to see that Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega, He's the beginning and the end. He's the first and the last. And you start to see 
that you're not just going to limit him to a someone you put your faith in, but you'll see that God's major revelation, I don't have a, just chatting again this morning, I don't have a problem with people, people always going Yahweh and Jehovah, great, but we've been given a name above every name. The name of Jesus is above every name. And I think that sometimes we get a bit too cute for God. We can just go on and on. And on. I think the deeper you go into God, you, you, just, you just bump into Christology again and again and again. We, we, we cannot do without the Holy Spirit, but you don't preach the Holy Spirit. You can teach on Him and manifest things, but it is about preaching Jesus. Can someone say amen? We go deep into that. So what this does, he shows how Jesus is communicated in every single book of the Bible and it actually opens up. I'm gonna, if we can put the pads on just softly for a second. And this is, I want you, us to be, because this is a communion service, I want us to be thinking with communion in mind. Don't open your, don't open your communions yet. But, <laughs> but I want you to think, I want you to be in awe of the goodness of God towards us, towards you, and how God, what He did, he, he literally moved heaven and earth to make sure you would not be an orphan, that you'd have eternal life. And the unfolding revelation of Jesus in Scripture is mind-blowing. So what I'm gonna do, I can't do this without people getting excited at the end. As I get, as I get towards the end, and obviously the book of Revelation, I want you, you know, I don't know who has studied what, but if God has revealed yourself to you, this is a participatory thing, not an Adelaide sit there and watch thing. If God's spoken to you, say like, I'm your healer. When I, when I talk about that element or whatever, I want you to say, Amen. That God's revealed Himself to you in that way through that book. All right, Holy Spirit, I just thank You. I thank You, Lord God, for vows being torn. We just thank You. Jesus, You're awesome. We love You. We are in You. You're in us. We thank you for a spirit of oneness. Okay, wow, here we go. In Genesis, Jesus is the seed of the woman. In Exodus, He is our Passover lamb. In Leviticus, He is our high priest. In Numbers, He is the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. In Deuteronomy, He is the prophet like unto Moses. In Joshua, He is the captain of our salvation. In Judges, He is our judge and lawgiver. In Ruth, He is our kinsman redeemer. In First and Second Samuel, He is our trusted prophet. In Kings and Chronicles, He is our reigning king. In Ezra, He is our faithful scribe. In Nehemiah, He is re the rebuilder of the broken down walls of humanity. In Esther, He is our Mordecai. In Job, He is our ever-living redeemer, for I know my redeemer lives. Who is this fourth man? In Psalms, He is our shepherd. In Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, He is our wisdom. In the Song of Songs, He is our lover and bridegroom. In Isaiah, He is the Prince of Peace. In Jeremiah, He is the righteous branch. In Lamentations, He is our weeping prophet. In Ezekiel, He is the wonderful four-faced man. And in Daniel, He is the fourth man in life's fiery furnaces. Who is this fourth man? 
In Hosea, he is the faithful husband forever married to the backslider. In Joel, he is the baptizer with the Holy Spirit and fire. In Amos, he is our burden bearer. In Obadiah, he is mighty to save. In Jonah, he is our great foreign missionary. In Micah, he is the messenger of beautiful feet. In Nahum, he is the avenger of God's elect. In Habakkuk, he is God's evangelist crying, revive your work in the midst of the years. In Zephaniah, he is our saviour. In Haggai, he is the redeemer of God's lost heritage. In Zechariah, he is the fountain opened in the house of David for sin and uncleanness. In Malachi, he is the son of righteousness rising with healing in his wings. Who is this fourth man? In Matthew, He is the Messiah. In Mark, He is the Wonder Worker. In Luke, He is the Son of Man. In John, He is the Son of God. In Acts, He is the Holy Ghost. In Romans, He is our Justifier. In 1st and 2nd Corinthians, He is our Sanctifier. In Galatians, He is the Redeemer from the curse of the law. In Ephesians, He is the Christ of unsearchable riches. In Philippians, He is the God who supplies all of our needs according to His riches in glory. In Colossians, He is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, He is our soon coming King. In 1st and 2nd Timothy, He is our mediator between God and man. In Titus, He is our faithful pastor. In Philemon, He is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. Who is this fourth man? In Hebrews, He is the blood of the everlasting covenant. In James, He is our great physician for the prayer of faith shall save the sick. In 1st and 2nd Peter, He is our chief shepherd who will appear with a crown of unfading glory. In 1st, 2nd and 3rd John, He is love. In Jude, He is the Lord manifesting, coming with 10,000s of His saints and revelation. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Who is this fourth man? He is Abel's sacrifice, Noah's rainbow, Abraham's ram, Isaac's wells, Jacob's scepter, Moses' rod, Joshua's sun and moon that stood still, Elijah's mantle, Elijah's staff, Gideon's fleece, Samuel's horn of oil, David's slingshot, Isaiah's fig poultice, Hezekiah's sundial, Daniel's visions, Amos's burdens, and Malachi's son of righteousness. Who is this fourth man? He is Peter's shadow, Stephen's signs and wonders, Paul's handkerchiefs and aprons used for miracles, and John's heavenly pearly white city. Who is this fourth man? He is a father to the orphan, a husband to the widow, to the traveller in the night, he is the bright and morning star. To those who walk in the loathsome valley, he is the lily of the valley, the roads of Sharon, and he is the honey in the rock. He is the brightness of God's glory, the express image of his person, the king of glory, the pearl of great price, the rock in the weary land, the cup that runs over, the rod and staff that comforts, and the government of our lives is upon his shoulders. Who is this fourth man? He is Jesus, the Son of the living God, our Saviour, our Companion, our Lord and our King. Hallelujah. We just, 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 can you just praise Him for a minute? Just, just, just praise Him. Mm, mm, mm. 
Let's take our communion. I'll just <laughs> wow. Lord, we love you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we just thank you that already you've provided everything we need. We just haven't realised it yet. I thank you, Lord, as we believe, as we know, as we lay a hold of, it manifests in our lives. But Jesus, you are the biggest gift. We thank you. You're so amazing that in heaven, no matter what rewards we get, we will lay our crowns at Your feet when we see You. We thank You, Lord, that no flesh can boast in the presence of God and pull glory under themselves. Jesus, we bless You. We thank You. We thank You that in communion is provision of every kind, including healing and oneness with You. Bless this to our bodies in Your holy Name. Amen. fascinating period in history coming up between now and the US election next year and I tell you what this uh, knowledge of the Lord as in the knowing on the inside indispensable we do not want people getting spiritual heart attacks where they just get overwhelmed because Jesus said come all come to me who are weary heavy laden He says, says, come to me, take my yoke upon you for my yoke is easy, my burden is light and you'll find rest for your souls. And so I'll tell you what right now, especially over this summer period, uh, yeah, it's gonna be, use time wisely, especially with the Lord. So God bless you guys. Someone's alarm said, I'm leaving now, even if he hasn't finished preaching. And so early minute today, we're just on time. Also too, if you want to volunteer for Moonto, can you come and see me? I'll just be down here for about five minutes, thanks.